Welcome to the Prairie Heights Podcast. Thanks for listening today. I hope it motivates you. I hope it builds your faith and helps you connect with Christ and a church family here at Prairie Heights. Enjoy the message. Hi. Good to see you all today. My name is Beth, if I haven't had the chance to meet you. And isn't it true, neighbors come in all sorts. And it is true that we don't get to choose who we live by, but we can choose something far more important. We can choose how to love our neighbors. We're in part two of a two-part series called How to Neighbor. And what I wanted to do today is I wanted to talk as we get going, the top three neighborly gestures in the Midwest. Are you ready? I bet you could guess some of them. So the top three neighborly gestures in the Midwest. Number three is when you and I say yes to watching our neighbor's house, just hoping that we're not gonna kill the plants and forget to water their plants, or maybe we forget to bring the garbage up or check their mail but watch your neighbor's house. I'm sure many of you have done that. The number two most neighborly gesture in the Midwest is when you and I go way back and and we pull out that family favorite recipe, usually it's a hot dish, and we bring over our family favorite hot dish to our neighbors. If you aren't from around here, hot dish and casserole are the same thing. But we like to eat hot dish here in the Midwest. And the first, the number one thing, most neighborly thing that you can do for your neighbors is you can be the first one up at 4 a.m. grabbing that shovel or your snowblower and you can do the whole block and everybody's driveway, right? Many of you have done that. And I love it when you know you've got like the two on your street where it's like, who's gonna get it first this morning after a big snow? Those are the top three uh, most neighborly gestures. And most people here, right, are very good at those three. Like we could all say like, we've all probably done one of the three or something like it. But here's what I wonder. I wonder if there's more to neighboring. I wonder if there's more than just simply shoveling somebody's driveway or dropping off a meal or taking care of someone's house. Those things are all really good things. And it's one of the things I love about our community that we live in is that we're gonna look out for one another. And at the same time, I wonder if there's more. I wonder if there's more to this idea of how to neighbor that looks like loving one another in some ways that might be new, I don't know. And what would it look like for you and I to really move from being nice neighbors, like being nice to each other, to move towards being more loving to one another. Like, what, is that, what does that look like? Because at the end of the day, being a neighbor is more than just doing a nice thing for somebody. Being a more loving neighbor is so in line with this idea of living generously. And when we align our hearts with God in this idea of what it looks like to give and live generously, there are great impacts that we can have not only in our lives, but the way that it's gonna encourage and support other people. I was doing some research this last week and I found that there was a five-year Science of Generosity initiative that was completed just a couple years ago and the results are in this book called The Paradox of Generosity. It's written and the study was done by Christian Smith and Hilary Davidson and here's what they did. They studied 
over 2,000 Americans. And here's what this study revealed. It's so fascinating. It revealed a consistent link between demonstrating generosity and leading a better life. This link between giving and living a really generous life and then leading and living a better life. What did that look like? That more generous people are happier, more generous people suffer fewer illnesses and injuries. They found over a span of time with 2,000 Americans that more people lived with a greater sense of purpose when they gave generously and also experienced less depression. Get this, according to the book, according to the paradox of generosity, Americans who describe themselves as very happy volunteer an average of 5.8 hours per month, and those who donate more than 10% of their incomes also experience lower depression rates than those who did not. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible to know that there was an actual data-driven study that found this out and, and points to this as fact for people's lives? That when you and I live more generously, and more giving, that our lives are gonna be better. They also found, however, fascinating, a, to achieve a better life, a person must practice generosity regularly. Random acts of kindness will not do it. The every once in a while random acts of kindness is not gonna lead to these kind of results where you're uh, feeling happier, suffer fewer illnesses, and less injuries, have more purpose. This idea of how to neighbor see it goes beyond dropping off a meal. It goes beyond shoveling someone's driveway. I believe not only according to that study, and there are numerous studies that you and I could look up that point to the benefits of giving of our time and our talent and our resources, of actually living a life that's very generous. We could find lots of data on that. I believe even more than that though, there's a reason that that's the truth. And it's because that's who God made us to be. Like when he created us as human beings, he created us with a desire to give, with a desire to wanna make an impact and have a purpose. In fact, the very thing that Jesus calls us to the very core of the mission that we have to follow Jesus is to go out and to love people like he did. And that requires us to live and to give sacrificially outside our comfort zone in ways that we wouldn't want to with people that we wouldn't want to do it to. Like that's the very core of the mission of following Jesus is this idea of loving people in ways that just on a human level, we may not want to, but giving and living with all of the things that we have. And so Jesus didn't call us to live by our neighbors. He called us to love our neighbors. And so today's question is this. Today's question is how do you and I, how do we consistently love our neighbors? Okay, not the random acts of kindness and every once in a while, but how do we consistently love our neighbors? And, and I'm talking about the people that live next door to you. I'm talking about 
the people that you work with. I'm talking about the people that you come and gather and, and go to church with, the people that you interact with in our community, at the grocery store, at the gas station, at any of the places that you go regularly, even on Black Friday, maybe there's some uh, of you that need to ask for forgiveness for the way you uh, treated people on Black Friday. <laughs> cutting in line and grabbing that last deal in front of somebody else. This idea of how to neighbor goes beyond the people that live by us. But what does it look like to consistently love our neighbors? So we're gonna go through a few verses and, and it comes from 1 John. And today I chose, it's called the message translation. What I love about it is it's like our everyday language. And so there's gonna be a couple words and phrases that I have no doubt uh, if you're open to it, I believe that God's gonna pierce your heart the way he pierced my heart as I read it. So let's get into it. How do we consistently love our neighbors? First John 3, 16 and 17 from the message translation, it says this. This is how we've come to understand and experience love. Saying this is how you and I have come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his life for us. See, we talked about that a little bit last week. The reason we know how to love comes from this idea that Jesus Christ sacrificed his life for us. He gave the ultimate sacrifice of his life. He laid down his life. He sacrificed his life. And that's how we know and can experience love when we receive him into our life. It goes on to say, this is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just out for ourselves. If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears and you made it disappear. Ooh, does that get you the same way it gets me? I'm gonna read that one more time. If, if you see some brother or sister in need, how often do you and I walk around in our everyday life and we see needs all around us? We see people who have needs all around us and we have, and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing. What happens to God's love? See, because when Jesus died on the cross to save you and I, to sacrifice his life for us, when we receive that free gift that we don't have to earn, we are now the carriers of God's love in this world. Like God chose us when we follow him as his children to be the ones who are gonna share Jesus' love in this world. That is the very purpose of our call is to be sent and to go and to make disciples. And so that's why this matters. Like we can't follow Jesus and then just choose not to love our neighbor. It's not an option as a follower of Jesus. What happens to God's love if we do nothing? It disappears and you made it disappear. Ugh. Every time I read that, ugh. But here's what's exciting. Uh, how can we consistently love our neighbors? Number one, make our means matter. You and I have a choice every day to make our means matter. What do I mean, what do I mean by that? What are our means? Our means are the experiences that you've had that you can share with somebody else. Maybe it's the talent and the skill, the natural talent and gifts and skills that you have been given by God 
that you get to share with this world. The finances that you have are a means, are a resource to give and live sacrificially so that this world can become a better place. What else? Maybe you have some connections. Maybe there are places you've been and experiences in career life that you've had that have caused these personal connections that you can connect somebody with somebody else. That's a way to make your means matter. But we have to make a decision before we even get to that place. And the first decision we have to make is who do our means belong to in the first place? I'm a parent of an eight-year-old and a three-year-old. We have an older son and a younger daughter, and they personality-wise could not be more different. They mirror my husband and I, and so it's an interesting dynamic in our household. But I will say they are just coming to the age, because they've got such an age gap, where they're starting to play together, even though they do not like any of the same things. But they've started to find some things that they like to do together. And if it's been about 30 minutes and we haven't heard anything except for laughter and running around, we start to get a little worried because we know it's coming. And it isn't long until we hear the words, no, it's mine. No, it's mine. It's mine. That's a regular thing that we hear in our house right now. And I cannot tell you the amount of times that I've had this similar conversation. I've walked in the room and I have said, okay, what's going on? And they start to explain, but it's mine, it's mine. And I start to say, well, in this family, one of our values is we share our things. And so, yep, it might be your toy, but we share our things in this family. And if we're being real honest, it's actually mom and dad's because we bought it. It's not yours. Sometimes I think God thinks the same thing and he's trying to tell us the same message that a loving dad or mom would say. When we walk around this world with the means that we've been given, that he has given us, financial, talent, experience, connections. And we say, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And God lovingly comes alongside us on a regular basis. And he says, oh, oh my dear child, it's not yours. It's not yours. And so before you can make a decision to give and live sacrificially and generously, you first have to decide who owns it. Who owns your means? Who gets the credit for it? Have you released and allowed God into every area of your life in such a way that you would say, it's not mine? I will say throughout the years I've wrestled with this wrestled and I could tell you financial stories, I could tell you career stories, I could tell you experience stories, and I have wrestled with God on this. My most peaceful days and the way that I have learned to no longer resist living and giving generously are the days that I know it's not mine anyway. When I say, you know what? 
What I've been given financially, it's not mine anyway. And so I can give it freely. The talent and the gifts that God has given me, I didn't, I didn't make me. So he made me on purpose for a purpose. He made you on purpose for a purpose. And when you learn how to make your means matter, it's when you're freely giving with a confidence that can only come from God. See, God gives us what we have in order to make our means matter. And when we understand that and begin to live that way, there's so much less resistance. And as we practice that lifestyle, then, then we begin to realize like, wow, God, you can do more with the means that I have than I could ever do on my own. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. How do we consistently love our neighbors? We do it when we make our means matter, number one. And the second comes from the next part of this verse in 1 John 3, 18 through 20. And it says this, my dear children, let's not talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're truly, we're living truly, living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there is something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. So how do we love our neighbors consistently well? We make our means matter. And number two, we live in God's reality. We live in God's reality. Do you ever find yourself in a space where there's tension between what God wants for you in your life and what, what you, you personally want for you or your life? And when we begin to live in God's reality more than our own human reality, we can love others more consistently. Here's what I mean by that. Because God's reality, his definition of love is action. His definition of love is an action. It's not a feeling. It's not like if you're having a good day, then you're gonna love and serve other people. If you're feeling it, and you're excited about it, then you're gonna love and serve other people. That's not a picture of God's reality of love in the way that he calls us to love our neighbors. He's like, I'm, not, I'm saying this and God would never say this, okay? So this is just coming from best words. But it's like him saying like, I don't care about your feelings, just love. God does really care about our feelings, that's what I mean. <laughs> I don't care how you feel that day. I'm asking you to step out in love and that's an action. That's an action. And sometimes we get caught up in the reality of our life and what God's reality of love is. And love is an action. It's kind of like the tension that we might feel when we start to get into like reality TV shows. It's called reality TV. Is it reality? No. It is not reality. Uh, has anyone seen um, Love is Blind? Love is Blind? You don't have to admit that if you've seen it. <laughs> it's a reality TV show where couples meet each other in pods and it's a social experiment to see if love is truly blind. And the whole idea is to see they get engaged in these pods where they never see each other and they get engaged before they see each other 
And then they see each other and they do a few weeks of life together and then they go to the altar and they decide whether they're gonna be together the rest of their life or not. And they drag their families into it all. And from the outside, as you watch the episodes at times, you could be tricked into believing that there's love there because some of them, they fall in love and they get married and, and it works out. But what you don't see is how produced it is and how direct it is and how it's edited. Everything is edited. And here's what happens, friends. When you and I decide to take the director role in our life and we start to produce and edit our own life and our behavior and we choose when we're gonna love and we choose when we're gonna serve and we forget that God's the director of our life, what oftentimes can happen is there can be more tension in our lives when we're living in our reality and not God's reality. But here's what I want us to know about God's reality is that it's beautiful. There's so much freedom when we live in God's reality and we begin to love in a way that's unrestricted, in a way that just comes out of us because we receive that love from God. See, living in God's reality means that love translates into action. And I love the last part of this last scripture that I read. It says, it's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism. How many people, you don't have to, you do not have to raise your hand. How many people struggle with critical thoughts about yourself and your mind? And maybe nobody would know it. Maybe from the outside, you appear very positive but on your mental mind is criticizing itself all the time. You're criticizing yourself all the time. God knew that we would struggle with that from time to time. It says that the way to live in God's reality helps us to shut down debilitating self-criticism even when there is something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. See, God's reality means that he knows your heart and he knows my heart. He knows your motives. He knows if your motive is pure to get up at 4 a.m. and beat the other neighbors to shovel the driveways or if your motive is just to win that day. <laughs> like he knows your heart. He knows everything about you. He knows every thought you have and that should be very comforting. I want you to know that that's a gift. That's not something to fear. That is a gift that you can know that you can find comfort with God. You can be unrestricted in your love for other people as you get closer to him. And the other thing is that we need to be reminded of today, if you are someone who really struggles with um, telling yourself really negative things consistently, God can help you with that. God wants to help you with that. God can help quiet that voice and allow his voice to be stronger. And the way that he does that is through worship music, through reading your Bible, through prayer time, through quiet time with him where he can begin to rewrite the script that you've been telling yourself in your mind. Because if you and I get stuck in that critical thought it's gonna be hard for us to love other people unconditionally. It's gonna be hard for us when we see a need to go and meet that need because we're so stuck in ourselves, right? And so 
I love that God's reality is showing our faith through our actions. And what that does then, when we step into that, is we become more fully alive. Because we're starting to hear more of, of God's voice in our mind and our heart, and we're starting to live that out. We're starting to really like live a full life by, by not saying like, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine, I'm keeping it. And, and living in this false reality of like love is a feeling. If love was a feeling, uh, Kyle, my husband and I would be in trouble. I am for real. And so are you if you're married, right? Like there are days where it's like, this doesn't feel good. Love is a commitment and a choice and an action. And it's not just meant for marriage. Love, the way God designed it, the way he wants us to show it to the world is meant to be an everyday give, 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 and live sacrificially the way that we got to see the greatest savior of the entire world, Jesus Christ, do for us. And that's how we impact this world, the way that Jesus calls us to. Being fully alive in God's reality simply means that we need to be fully obedient in him. If we wanna be fully alive, it means full obedience. That's God's reality. You can't be like one step in and one step out. You can't be lukewarm. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, loving with action is not an option. You've already made the choice by choosing to follow Jesus. And so in 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16, it says this, I kinda like it. I come from a sports background. And so I, I really like uh, these words. So roll up your sleeves, get your head in the game. <laughs> Be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil. Haven't you had times in your life, I have, where it's like you got seasons where you're living and giving generously and it's easy and it's unrestricted and it's really free and you feel so alive and then life happens and all of a sudden you start to close in and you're like, oh no. It's about me and mine and I gotta make sure that everything's okay here and you kind of start closing off to people. And, and here we're being reminded like, don't go back to the old ways. Don't, don't slip back into those old grooves of evil doing what just you feel like doing. You didn't know any better than you do now. That's the other part of this. It's like, hey, whether you're here for the first time, welcome, so glad you're here. Maybe you came with family or you've been coming a hundred times. We're reading from scripture that, that now we know better. And so we can't slip back in. And when we slip back, we need people around us to carry us and say, hey, come on, come on. God's got more for you. It's time to live and give generously as obedient children. Let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life. A life energetic and blazing with holiness. God said, I am holy, you be holy. I am holy, you be holy. Becoming a more loving neighbor requires obedience to God. And when we obey God, we become more holy. We become more like him. And I believe in you. 
Maybe today you came and, and you've been feeling really discouraged and frustrated. And God wants to remind you, hey, roll up your sleeves, get your head in the game. This matters. It matters that we live a life of holiness because we are sent as God's ambassadors into the world to love people in ways that they would not be loved by other people because of who we know Jesus is to us and how we live that out. And so how do we consistently love our neighbor? Number one, we make our means matter. And number two, we live in God's reality. And so how do you live that out? I wanna talk about some practical next steps here. How do you live that out? Maybe you live that out in, in your neighborhood by serving your actual neighbors, the people who live right by you. Maybe you live it out in ways that look like a teenager or a young person at your work needs a mentor. And you've known in your gut that like God's called you at the right time in the right space to be that person, but you just haven't set up the coffee or set up the lunch date to say, hey, I'd love to pour into you based on my experiences and my connections. How can I help you? How can I be there for you? How can I pray for you? Wherever you are in your life today is by no accident. And so every day there are opportunities for you and I to love our neighbor. And maybe you're feeling like you're in a spot where it's kind of hard to do that. I wanna give you some practical ways that you can make your means matter and you can live in God's reality right here through Prairie Heights. So we wanna help. If you are, um, if this isn't a consistent part of your life, we wanna help. The first way is be part of Serve Week. Serve Week kicks off this week where we're gonna be uh, impacting and doing serve projects throughout our community, through our grow groups. If you're part of a grow group, you get to be a part of serve projects and also as a church. And so there are three ways that we can do that. And here's what I wanna say just real quick. If you're gonna participate in Serve Week, which I hope you do, have your eyes wide open for how God might want whatever opportunity you say yes to to become a regular part of your life. Because going back to the beginning, random acts of kindness every once in a while aren't gonna do it. But guess what? Maybe this first step, maybe deciding to give blood, all of a sudden you decide to do that every month because God asks you to do that. So be part of Serve Week. You can, we've got a blood drive happening uh, on Monday from two to six right here at Prairie Heights. You can give light by sponsoring an individual or family. And number three, you can purchase items for Horizon Middle School for their attendance incentive um, pantry. And we talked about that last week. Uh, number two, you can give financially through Prairie Heights. I shared last week as well that the needs rise during this time. And so we would love and encourage you. Uh, and specifically tied to this message, I will say if finance is an area of stress for you and you haven't honored and trusted God with your first 10%, I believe in that. I've struggled with it as I started uh, coming to know Jesus. And when I decided to say, hey God, you got my first 10% financially, I don't even think about it anymore. And it's a sense of peace that God has given me. So I wanna encourage you, if you haven't trusted God, that's a spiritual step. It's not about Prairie Heights. You don't ever have to give at Prairie Heights to belong at Prairie Heights. It's about your heart and where you're at with Jesus and how you can take a step of faithfulness in that 
Don't wait too long to take that step of obedience because living a full life is obedience. Or number three, you can join a volunteer team. So again, I just wanna encourage you, if you aren't volunteering regularly in our community, that's a great thing to do. Uh, we've got opportunities right here every single week where you can volunteer. And so right now I'm gonna invite actually a couple friends, um, Nancy and Charles, will you come on up? And these are two of our rock star, all-star Prairie Heiders who have been around Prairie Heights for several years. And each of them has a unique story. And I just want them to share their heart. It's unscripted. So this is gonna be fun. And I'm excited. Are you guys, are you guys, come on over, come on over, Nancy. You come stand right here. And Charles, why don't you be right next to Nancy? All right, how's that? Good? Does this feel good? Everyone this, give them a round of applause, these this two. This feels great. All right, we got, we're good? Are we good? There you Is go. This, look at all the people. <laughs> we, I, you know, I can't see anyone because it's blinding. Um, yeah, but, so Nance, talk a little bit about how long you've been coming to Prairie Heights. Uh, since 2018. Okay, and when you came, what was that like the first time you came? I can tell you, and coming off of this message where I was crying and now about to answer oh, your question. Crying today? I was, which oh. is so unusual, it's not like me. It so is like you. <laughs> She cries a lot. <laughs> um, when I walked through the doors, I really, really wish that I knew who greeted me. That's what I wish, mm -hmm. uh, because it was that greeting. And when I walked through the doors, I walked through alone. I didn't know anyone. And immediately, I was welcomed. So that was my first experience. Yeah. Charles, how about you? What was your first time at Prairie Heights? I think 2010. Yeah. About 13 years ago. Hold that oh, up, up here? There you go. Okay. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so I'm shy. If any of you know me out there greeting, I'm pretty shy. Um, you are not. Yeah, no, I uh, came, I think, started going at the Fargo Dome. Yeah. And, um, and then when we moved over here, uh, something struck me that I had to start serving, and yeah. I listened. And uh, then I got, I think, baptized about, you know, recommitted about three years ago. Yeah. And it's awesome. I'll be out sometimes at grocery stores, and then this goes out to Kyle, but uh, someone will say to me, I, you, know, I, you seem familiar. And I'm like, I see you at church every Sunday. And they go, oh, yeah, you're the other high five guy. So, <laughs> and I thought him and I looked a lot alike. but you It's know. just because he's taller. Yeah. Like, don't give him that so, much credit. But I love seeing everybody that walks through this doors on yeah. Sunday morning. And yeah. that is, uh, it's, it's huge for me. You know, the little kids, and it's, it's a big deal. Yeah, why is it such a big deal for you? Well, you know, I think, you know, I started to serve the Lord, and then I think really, for me, it's like, you know, hopefully I make everyone smile when they come in, and I serve these people, too, you know, yeah. on that Sunday, and I try to do it through the rest of the week, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. So if you've been coming to Pray Heights for a while, do you miss it when Charles isn't here? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And that's the thing that I want us all to recognize is that when we aren't apart, we are missed. Like when we don't choose, Charles, I cannot tell you how many years I asked you and invited you to volunteer. Do you remember? Like yeah. I called you way back in the Fargo Dome days and I'm like, hey, you wanna, you wanna be a part of a team? But in God's right timing, you said yes. And you have been a pivotal rock and consistent. Does it matter that you see consistent faces every week if you come here in person? Does that matter? 
Does it matter when you drop off your kids and you see consistent volunteers' faces to trust your kids? That's what we're talking about is consistently loving means consistently being present and consistently saying, yes, I'll be there. And Charles, have there been times where it's been hard to say yes? Like, or you felt like, oh, this do morning. I have to go today? This morning it was hard <laughs> and to say yes. you had no idea you'd be on stage this morning. No clue. He came during run through and I was like, Charles, will you come up on stage and answer a few questions for real? That happened. Yeah. You didn't even know. Yeah. And here you are. I used to sit way up there and now it's right you down did. here. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love you, friend. I'm so thankful for you. I love you too. Um, what we get to do for Jesus together is something super tremendous. And like, I think about even last week, we ended up running into you at the chiropractor and we hadn't seen you in weeks. And I didn't even know we had the same chiropractor. And we were sitting there, Kyle and I were sitting there and all of a sudden we saw you pull up and you got out of your car and Kyle, Mach 500 ran to the door to greet him at the door of the chiropractor. I got a and high I five. And I just couldn't, you got a high five at the chiropractor. And I couldn't wait to give you a big hug because I miss you, you know? And I want you all to know like you're missed when you don't make your means matter and your talents and your gifts. And so thank you. All right, Nance, you two step up a little bit so they can see your faces. There you go. All right, Nance. All right, so what's your why? So you were coming on your own and it probably took a while. And what was your why? Well, I started coming, and then, um, well, ironically, the next week, they had a volunteer um, introduction, yeah. and I thought to myself, I'm going to jump right in, um, and I think everyone, I don't think, I know everyone has a story. We all have a story why we're here today, mm -hmm. why we serve, um, what gets us up in the morning, and for me, uh, my story was and is... I believe it's so important to give back and to serve and to be that person for somebody. But um, at that time in my life, I also needed something for me. Mm -hmm. And so for the serving, I actually received both um, for me and for others. Because when push comes to shove, this is about us. It's not about me or you, it's about us. And um, I really feel and know that God is calling us to be in community. And truly, there's no better way. There yeah. isn't. There isn't. And you started uh, serving in Next Steps, and you started to meet some people. And for a little bit, there was a lot of resistance to, like, be in community. Is that right? Tell me that, tell me that Sorry, story Deb. a little bit. <laughs> um, yes, there, there was, because... Um, for all you introverts out there, I am an introvert, so this is just like, wow. Um, so for me to stand up here and say how important serving is and the benefits and the blessings, um, I can truly say that um, some of my most cherished, true friendships um, were found right in this church. And uh, the persistence, um, Deb, you're one of them. I love you to pieces. Um, she kept saying, let's get together, let's get together. And I was so resistant. And now we're like joined at the hip. So um, it truly does happen. And it doesn't happen overnight. And it doesn't happen the first time you serve. But I can guarantee you on everything that I believe and trust that uh, through serving, you're going to get your, your people. And as much as that sounds like a cliche, it's not. So mm -hmm. it's, it's true. Yeah, and so I love both of your stories, how like in God's, 
timing. Yes. You said yes, and you obeyed the invitation, uh, and then maybe resistant to like the next steps of that. Um, but I want to tell you, Nancy, like the way you love and encourage people, it is loving like Jesus. Like I'm a recipient, reciprocant of your love, and it feels like I'm being loved by Jesus the way that you love me. And so um, it is no joke that you two know how to love, and I'm so thankful for both of you. I'm thankful that we get to be on the journey together. Uh, can I say a prayer? I'm gonna say a prayer for these two. Um, I'm gonna say a prayer for all of us, and uh, then we're gonna talk a little bit more as we close, so super thankful for you guys. God, I thank you for Nancy and for Charles specifically. I thank you for their life. I thank you, God, that um, you brought them uh, to uh, a place where as they began to say yes to you, God, uh, you started to move in their life in such a way that they couldn't wait to give that to so many other people. And so thank you for their love and their passion. God, I pray that their story impacts other people. I thank you, God, for this gift that we have to grow in love, like we get to grow in love with you. Um, we don't have to have it all together. And so, Jesus, I pray that you meet every person exactly where they're at today, watching online in the room. And would you help all of us to be challenged, <laughs> to be convicted, to know more of who you are, God, through the ways that we love and we serve other people. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to Prairie Heights. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit prairieheights.com give for more information. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or even take a screenshot and share it on your social media and tag us at Prairie Heights. Thanks for listening and God bless.